Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Can pocket sized Singapore repeat the miracle of its success over the last 50 years? Not if complacency gets in the way. Suggests BBC journalist Nicholas Walton in his book Singapore, Singapura From Miracle to Complacency. Walton walked across Singapore in one day, all 53 kilometres between Tuas and the eastern end of our island. And the book takes us along his journey, which also unfolds across the dimensions of Singapore's history and possible future. The book unfolds like a witty travelogue. And is an absorbing read with its arch observations as it pithily gets at, quote, the guts of Singapore. Nicholas, welcome to Read. Thank you for being here. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for asking me. Let's talk about the word complacency as you reference it in the title. Can you define what you mean by complacency and share the key ways that you think it's manifesting in Singapore? Well, there's a couple of ways you can think about complacency. If you think about very strong organizations, countries, even football teams, you can see how they feel as though they, everything's so successful. Why should they change? Look at a football team like Arsenal 20 years ago with fantastic players, world class coach. Their system just worked, so they never changed. But then everybody else changed, everyone else learned, they improved, and suddenly Arsenal are not winning anything, and it's almost too late for them to fix it. But that is not the complacency I'm talking about with Singapore. Singapore has got a different type of complacency. It's when they are small, when they face challenges, they find a recipe that works. If you look back to 1965 and the challenges that Singapore faced, they were enormous. No one gave them a hope. But they found a way to get through it. They found a way to keep reinventing themselves, to deal with problems such as reinventing the economy, dealing with education, law and order, etc. And that all works great. But then what happens if the recipe that you're using no longer works because external things start changing? You know, the world becomes a, a less suitable place for the thing that you've invented. And that, I think, is what. Singapore faces now. Sorry to just add a little bit, and there's also a little bit of a hint that the people of Singapore, because they've come so far, they just don't have the hunger anymore. And maybe that's part of the complacency as well. Growing up in Singapore, though, it feels like change has been a constant theme of life here, whether it's the constantly evolving landscape with construction or the sense that we're always, as a nation, looking at better ways of doing things, or take the theme of productivity that we hear so often in public discourse. Keen to explore this idea of Singapore relying on one recipe for success, in spite of all this seeming embrace of change, I asked Walton what needs to happen to change this possible sense of complacency. I was talking to the extremely eminent diplomat, Kishore Bamubani, mm-hmm. as part of the book. Yes. And he said that he thought that Singaporeans really need a project, something that really made them think, well, what is it that we are as a country? What can bring us together? What can unify us? Of course, it's not simple survival as it was in the early days. But what he suggests is, and he was just playing with ideas, he said, well, what about if we decided to become the world's first car free country? Something like that. Something that involved. Singaporeans talking to themselves, deciding what they really wanted, what their place in the world would be, and defining a project that had an element of urgency, which really kind of brought the government, the people together, and gave them a direction. And without that sense of direction, I think that Singapore could just flounder a little bit.
We're chatting with former BBC journalist and author of the book Singapore, Singapore from Miracle to Complacency, Nicholas Walton, my special guest in Read today. Nicholas, one of the key questions guiding this book is the Singapore miracle, a mere 50-year affair, or will it be more enduring? Well, I wish I knew, and, and, and as the saying goes, in the long run, we're all dead. We're all failures anyway. It's all a question of, uh, will Singapore be a success in 20 years' time, or will it last several hundred years from now? Before I wrote the book on Singapore, I wrote a book about the uh, Italian city-state Genoa, where I'd been living before. Mm. Similar story. It's a small place, had a lot of things going against it, but managed to battle itself up from a very unpromising situation and became really important in the European early medieval economy. And it kept reinventing itself and that kept on working for a couple of hundred years and then gradually various other factors changed and it just failed to keep pace with what it needed to do to keep going. And so it had a massive decline of of several hundred years, in fact, before it all ended. Maybe that's Singapore's fate. Maybe it will be a a real success story for a good couple of hundred years. Maybe it'll be shorter than that. Maybe it could even be longer than that. I come back again to the sense that Singaporeans themselves are the people who are in charge of this, and they're the ones that will decide whether it continues to be a success or not. Why do you say that Singapore's future needs to be seen through the lens of how tiny our city-state is? Indeed, you know, a big part of the interest in, that people have in this book is when they hear that you walked our country end-to-end in 53 kilometres in one day, highlighting how tiny our city-state is. But really, does physical smallness really matter in a world where technology, the internet, cashless banking is making deal-making easier than ever, regardless of geography? Yes, and in fact, being small is, in many ways, it's an advantage in this world. Of it was a matter, globalization in general was one of the things that lay behind and underpinned the, the Singapore miracle. So yes, there are advantages. And in fact, um, it gives a sense of urgency and purpose to the country when they're small because they know that there's no room to fail. And that's the big problem. If you are Italy or Russia or China, you can undergo periods when you're just not getting things right. And you know that there's a bit of, you know, fallback, you can fail a little bit, maybe in a century's time you'll rediscover your vim and vigor. Singapore just doesn't have that room to fail because it is so small. It has to govern everything from migration to its trade policy to the way that it interacts with the rest of the world. So cleverly, it has to work out what it is that will set its economy apart from everybody else's. It has to do that so well and plan ahead. But that's why being tiny in this world is, in the end, it could be such a danger, even though it's such a benefit as well. And we take a step back and, you know, as readers, we might be thinking the 53 kilometre single day hike. Nicholas, did you plan this because you thought it would make a good literary device? Is there a story behind that hike? Well, I walk everywhere. I walk as much as I can. I was just doing a a walking holiday just down the road from here in Belgium and a couple of days ago, and that was fantastic. So I walk everywhere, and I personally think that it's a great way to be able to see how a place actually knits together. So originally, I was walking all over Singapore, and I walked from north to south at one point for a, a CNN travel article that I was writing. But then when I was writing this book, and I'd done all the research, I was just looking at the map thinking... Well, goodness me, I think that if I walked from Tuas and then walked through Jurong and then I started knitting it together in my mind and then, you know, you're going through Hongwen Park and then you're going through uh, Marina Bay Sands and then you've got East Coast Park and then you end up at Tanamera Ferryport. And I thought, my goodness me, that's actually a fantastic structure 
for the book that actually knits together all of the different themes that I want to talk about. It tells the story of Singapore, where it came from, what life is like there now. It got away from the familiar themes, and I was able to talk about characters of, of modern Singapore, like Sonny Liu, the uh, cartoonist, and Amos Ye, and, and people like that. And I thought, well, as a journalist and as a writer, this is exactly how I need to structure my book. So fundamentally, that's why I did it. Interesting. So you're a real walker as well. In the book, you wish Singapore well. You've lived here for three years. You also say you will never come to grips with what you describe as our awful weather. So the book is very <laughs> personal. It reads like a travelogue uh, and a history book at the same time. Uh, so what did you most want local readers to take from your book? I would love it if they picked up a bit of what I love doing, obviously. And that is just get out of the MRT, get out of the bus, get out of the shopping mall and really just look around. You've got a fantastic country. And it's not, you know, it's not full of, you know, these grand mountain ranges and other things that you might think of with hiking. But if you get around and look around, you'll discover what makes your country tick. And that's an amazing, brilliant thing to come across, even if it means that you get a little bit hot and sweaty in the meantime. But then the second thing, and this is almost more fundamental, think about why your country is a success and ask what will it take for that to continue? And if you appreciate the challenges ahead, then you might be able to discover that sense of purpose and the urgency to keep making Singapore such a fantastic place. What do you think our city-state is really grappling with in terms of challenges of being relevant? Some say it's an increasingly strong man world, liberal democracy being undermined, just have to look at Brexit and Trump perhaps in the States. So what do you think is Singapore's key challenge when it comes to staying relevant in an increasingly polarised world? My book is full of challenges, some of them small, some great, but I think that the biggest challenge is that there is a sense of hunger. Mm. And that seems like a bit of an amorphous thing to say, but Singapore needs that sense of hunger. Um, it needs its people to appreciate that, you know, a safe job and a trip to the shopping mall, there's got to be more to life than that. And there's certainly more to Singapore than that. Appreciate where the country's come from, and then you'll understand the challenges of the future more vividly. The, the government's working on this. A lot of people I've spoken to in Singapore are working on this and, and looking at it and, and thinking about what it means for their lives. But I think that that kind of sense of hunger is something that uh, the Singapore in 1965 had and whatever the challenges that it faces in the future, external, internal, whatever, that is the thing that's going to determine whether Singapore remains. Are you hoping to speak to policymakers through this book? I want the world to rethink about Singapore. I wasn't really talking about Singapore and showing it to the Singaporeans, although that's a great byproduct. I want people to understand what Singapore is. And if you pick up books or magazine articles about Singapore, it's all about the wonders of Changi Airport or how boring it is or the fact that there's a chewing gum ban. And I think that people really miss what Singapore's history is. But, you know, the, this extraordinary history that's kind of accelerated in 200 years, then 50 years, yeah. and what it's become. I, I think that it's such a remarkable country that I wish that more people would look at it and think, well, goodness me, there's a lot more to it than just a, a smooth landing in Changi Airport. He's the author of Singapore, Singapore, From Miracle to Complacency. Nicholas Walton, my guest in Reed. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. To prepare for this interview, I tried to loan a copy of Nicholas Walton's book, Singapore, Singapore, from the National Library, and all copies had been checked out. Well, whether you're supporting a bookstore or managed to check a book out of a library, I hope you continue reading, and I'll be back with another great title soon, right here in Read. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.
or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.